Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study to the Gospel of John, and this is the 45th program in this series. I'm presently in the Gospel of John, chapter 9, and this was shortly after Jesus was teaching in the temple. He was rejected by the people there in the temple. He left, and then he found a man who was born blind. Now, according to the beliefs of the Pharisees, They believed that if a person was born blind, then they were born blind because of a divine judgment of God. And this divine judgment was either for the parent's sin or it was because of the person's sin who was born blind. And I explained this in previous programs that they generally would not say that it was the parents who sinned. They would say that the person who was born blind had sinned, and the sin that they most likely committed was that they struck their mother in the womb out of a sense of animosity, and that this would be an expression of the person such that this person had a certain kind of personality, such that the Lord would need to protect civilization from this kind of person, that this kind of person could be very destructive in people's lives. And so in order to protect society from this kind of a person, God would execute a divine judgment so that the person would be born blind. This is how the man was perceived who Jesus found. He was perceived his entire life as an individual who God had to protect civilization from that this is the kind of person who he is. And this would, of course, cause some discomfort to this man as he was growing up and as he was living his life because everyone around him would know, or at least they would believe, they would have a bias against this man. They would know or believe that he was a dangerous person and that he had committed a sin, and that he was under the divine judgment of God. Now, because this was considered to be a divine judgment of God, the only one who could ever set this man free from this divine judgment would be the divine himself. It would have to be God himself who would set this man free from the divine judgment that he executed on this man. So the Pharisees taught him, and they taught everyone around him, that if he was ever to be healed of his blindness, it would only be because of a divine healing, and that this would be a revelation of the Messiah. And so they taught that the only one who could ever heal the man who was born blind, the only one who could do it would be the Messiah. So Jesus left the temple after they rejected him. 
in the temple, and he went and he found the man who was born blind, and he healed the man who was born blind. Now, there is nothing in the law or in the prophets or in the writings or anywhere, there is nothing where God has ever said that this would be a qualification of the Messiah, that this is a way that we would know that we are in the presence of the Messiah or the Messiah has revealed himself. God never said this. This was a belief of the religious leaders. This was their belief. This was their doctrine. It was their teaching. So when this man was healed by Jesus, this should have been acknowledged by the society there in Jerusalem and abroad. This should have been acknowledged as a messianic miracle, one that only the Messiah could have performed, and that we have the Messiah in our presence. No one else, no other being of any kind, could set someone free from the divine judgment of God. So this man was taken up to the temple by a number of people, and there was a great procession, most likely a large procession of people, who went up to the temple with him, and this was the day after the Feast of Tabernacles. It was the day when people would start organizing themselves, getting ready to leave Jerusalem and go back home, and this miracle took place. You have this man going up to the temple, and you can just imagine that he has felt this rejection his entire life. But now, finally, he is going to be accepted. He is now going to be accepted by the religious leaders, and what they were teaching the people about him will now be corrected. And he will be seen as someone who God himself has justified. God himself has performed a miracle in this man's life so that everyone can see that this man is now acceptable to God, so he should also be acceptable to them. And if they won't acknowledge that he is an acceptable person, that he is a good person. And it's unlikely that anyone that he encounters has experienced such a miracle from God in their own lives. In comparison, clearly, this man is special. This man is unique. And he goes to the religious leaders to get their approval, to get their acceptance. There is no requirement in the law for him to go to the temple. No requirement of any kind. This is not like the healing of the Jewish leper. When Jesus healed the leper who was Jewish, that was a different circumstance, and that was expressed in the other Gospels. It was not recorded by John. But when that happened, that was different because the leper was required to go to the temple and there were procedures that needed to be executed according to the law of Moses, laws that had never been performed, never been executed ever in the history of Israel, that was different. There was no requirement for the man who was born blind to go to the temple, but he is going to the temple. And when he goes before the religious leaders, they do not want to acknowledge 
that this was a healing that was done through Jesus or by Jesus. They did not want to acknowledge that because, of course, by default, they would have to proclaim that Jesus is the Messiah according to their own beliefs, according to what they had been teaching the people. So when the man was in their presence, they did not have a pleasant conversation with him. This did not go as he probably expected. So continuing from verse 24, this is the Gospel of John chapter 9 verse 24. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. They say, We know that Jesus is a sinner. So give God the glory because we cannot acknowledge that Jesus was a part of this. So the man answered in verse 25, he answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know that though I was blind, now I see. What he was doing was he was telling them that he has doubts. He is doubting their integrity. He is doubting their honesty. Because he had been told his whole life by them and by those who believed them that this would be a way of knowing that the Messiah has come. This would be a way of identifying the Messiah. And now they are rejecting what they taught. They are refusing to acknowledge and accept what they were teaching before. So how can he trust anything that they have to say now? Now, this might not have been a big deal to the other people who were not born blind. But to this man, this was a big deal. There was nothing in the law that said that he was under the divine judgment of God. There was nothing in the law that said that the society, the civilization that he was around needed to be protected from him. There was nothing in the scriptures that said that this man should be perceived in this way, that he should be rejected. This was all about what they taught and what they believed. So now they should acknowledge that he is acceptable. But they are not willing to do that. And so how can he trust what they have to say? So this is an expression of doubt. And it is an expression of rejection. He is rejecting them as being the legitimate authorities. He is expressing contempt towards them in an indirect way. So they respond with a sense of defensiveness where they are trying to now defend themselves in some manner. They are not going to be able to defend themselves, and so they will escalate the situation by trying to find someone else to take responsibility, someone else to condemn. In verse 26, in desperation, it says, Then they said to him again, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you do not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Of course not. Of course they don't. 
But now he escalates the situation and he asks them, Who are you? What are you about? Why am I even here talking with you? Why should I answer your question? Who are you that I should answer this question again? Are you being honest? Are you willing to become the disciple of Jesus because he did this? Or are you not? Why are you asking this question? Well, they don't want to be exposed in that manner, and so they escalate the situation in verse 28. Then they reviled him and said, You are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. And I was explaining this in the previous program that he didn't ask for any of this. But they are reviling him. They are attacking him because they themselves feel as if they are being attacked. And in a certain way, they are. They are being confronted. They are being confronted with the revelation that they are going to be exposed. They are going to be exposed as dishonest people. In verse 29, we know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. So they were being threatened of being exposed as being dishonest people, and through their response of trying to defend themselves, of trying to deflect the attention from themselves to someone else by accusing this man of something else by reviling him. In the process of doing this, they say that we don't know where this man is from, but they do. They do know where he is from. They are being dishonest. They are now being open about their dishonesty, that they are not truthful, that they are not telling the truth. So who are these people? Why should anyone trust them? Why should anyone believe them? But this man who was born blind has suffered enormous rejection his entire life because people did believe them, because people did trust them. This man has endured his whole life this kind of rejection from people because of these folks, because of what they taught, because of what they believed, because they were teaching the people these things, because they were trusted, because they were believed in. And now they are being exposed as a bunch of liars, as a bunch of frauds, as people who should not be trusted, who should not be relied on, who should not be believed in. So the man responds to this. The man answered and said to them, Why, this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened my eyes. Now this was a challenge. This was a big challenge. He is exposing, the man is exposing the fact that this is a marvelous thing, that this demonstrates that you, you people, are a bunch of liars. You people cannot be trusted. You people 
are dishonest. And there was a lot that could be said about not knowing where Jesus was from. What just happened in the temple when Jesus was there? He was there. And the people who were there said in John chapter 7, beginning in verse 26, But look, he speaks boldly, and they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is truly the Christ? However, we know where this man is from. But when the Christ comes, no one knows where he is from. Well, this was the belief of some of the Jews, not all of them. Some Jews believed that no one would know where the Messiah came from. So when the man says in verse 30, that this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from. This was a way of saying, you know, it just so happens that there are a lot of people around here, right here in the temple, or at least we're here this morning, who believe that this is a way of recognizing the Messiah because no one is going to know where he is from. But they knew where he was from. People knew where he was from, and so the man says, this is a marvelous thing, that you are willing to be so bold as to lie to me like this right now, openly, before everyone in the temple, in the temple of God. In verse 28, chapter 7, verse 28, then Jesus cried out as he taught in the temple, saying, you both know me and you know Where I am from, and I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. Jesus told them it was God who they don't know. They know who Jesus is, even though they don't recognize that he is God manifested in the flesh. They knew enough about him. They knew enough about him that they knew where he was from, and he told them that, and everybody knew it, everybody heard it. So the man, the man who was born blind, he has now exposed the religious leaders for who they are, a bunch of frauds and a bunch of liars who should not be trusted, who should not be relied on. People should not believe them. And the man who was born blind, who has suffered so much his entire life, now he has what he needs personally, in order to take a formal position regarding this circumstance, regarding what's happening, regarding what is taking place in his life right now. He takes a formal position, and he says in verse 31, Now we know that God does not hear sinners. Now this is important to recognize, that there is a sincere desire to know. There is a sincere desire to know the truth. What do we know? And what is it that we do not know? Just as what was expressed in John chapter 7, verse 26, 27, 28, with regards to the people saying, this is what we know. Jesus said, you know. And then here in chapter 9, They say, we don't know this, but we know this. The man says, I don't know this, but this I do know. What people know is important. Even if what they think they know is true, but it isn't, it's important to recognize 
that there is a sincere interest in the truth. There is. Even though the religious leaders want to deny the truth, they want to deny reality, there still is an interest in the truth. And it will only be a matter of time before there is an equilibrium with regards to this conflict. An equilibrium in the sense that people are going to eventually search for what is real, what is not real, and they are going to make a shift to whatever is the most real, whatever they can be the most certain of. Even though they can't be certain about everything, they're going to try to become as certain as possible. Everyone will do that. Everyone will do that for themselves and in their own lives, even though the way that they relate to others might be different. For example, the Pharisees here, they're going to be open and direct with other people about their position that this is not real, that what people think is not true. They are going to push this even further, even further. They're going to be more committed more devoted, more aggressive about their rejection of Jesus because the cost of living in the truth, the cost of living in reality is too great for them. It will cost them more than what they are willing to pay. And so because of the consequences and the discomfort that they will have to endure, they will intentionally deny Reality. Intentionally make a decision to deny what is real. And there are people like this. And all you can do is exit a relationship with these people. There is no way that you can possibly have a healthy relationship with people like this if you want to live in reality. And for this man, he is not going to lose anything. It's not going to cost him necessarily, to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He will be cast out from the synagogue in a sense. He will be rejected by the people, but he has been rejected by the people his entire life. He has suffered his entire life. So his choice is, does he want to be accepted by these people who have caused him to suffer? Does he now want to be accepted by them? To do so, he has to deny Reality, And he's the one who has benefited. He is the one who has been healed by God. Does he want to openly reject the God who has healed him so that he can be accepted by these other people by living in their denial of reality? This is not what he does. He says, now we know that God does not hear sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. This is the beginning of him defining what the relationship is going to be between this man and the Pharisees. This is the beginning of the new definition of what this relationship is going to be about. He is effectively proclaiming that he doesn't believe that these people are hearing from God. He does not believe that the Pharisees are hearing from God because they are living in denial of reality. 
They are being dishonest. They are not being truthful. They are being contradictory with regards to what they believe. He is suggesting that these people are sinners. If anything, just because they lied, because they bore false witness. If anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, clearly they are not worshiping God. They are not doing the will of God. They are not acknowledging the will of God after all that has just happened. This is becoming self-evident. And the man goes on and says he hears him in the sense that clearly God is not going to hear from you. He will not hear from you. He doesn't listen to you. He doesn't hear you. You are not a worshiper of God. You do not do his will. Just who are you? Who are you people? This is effectively what he conveyed, what he asked them in verse 31. And the answer to this question is very important. And I will explain this at the beginning of the next program. Thank you for listening. This is the 45th program in the verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. In this program, I spent some time doing a little bit of a review of the circumstances of the healing of the man who was born blind, and then I focused on chapter 9, verses 29 and 31, where I spent a little bit more time talking about the personal feelings that the blind man probably experienced throughout his life because of the condemnation from the religious leaders concerning his blindness. And here in these verses, the man was discovering that the religious leaders were not honest people. And this would lead him to question what was their real purpose and their role in the society, that they were not fulfilling the role they were expected to fulfill with regards to honesty and truth. And so in the next program, I will proceed and explain what their role in the society really was. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. 